listening to Roots and Wings, a podcast produced by the Tennessee Commission on Children and Youth. I'm Jonathan Newland, the director of Kids Central TN. We're recording this podcast just as families prepare to head back into the classroom, albeit it's going to be much different and it's going to look and feel much different from when students and teachers left at mid-March. Now, the back to school stress is very real for many families. We're going on five months of living in a global pandemic. Many Tennessee families have seen a change in income or experienced several hardships for the very first time because of the COVID-19 pandemic. On this episode of Roots and Wings, we're going to highlight several ways parents can take care of their mental health and that of their children as the year trudges on. So to help me with this conversation, I'm joined by Melissa Binkley, who is the program director of the Regional Intervention Program with the Tennessee Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services. Nita Gross is also joining joining us today. Nita is the regional coordinator for Project Basic, a school-based mental health early intervention and prevention program. Thank you guys both so much for being guests on Roots and Wings today. Thanks for having us. Yes, thanks for having us. <laughs> no problem. Uh, so let's just dive right in, I guess. I, I know right now a lot of parents and families are preparing to head back into the classroom, whether that's going to be virtually or in person. I know the start of this school year understandably has caused a lot of stress for teachers, staff, parents, and students alike. So in the conversations I personally have had, I've seen a lot of uh, anxiety that focuses around the unknown, the fact that no one really knows how this is going to work out. Uh, so to you ladies first, my first question is, what advice do you have for those adults preparing for this school year? Yeah, Chunkwa, I think I can really relate to that anxiety around the unknown. Um, I am a planner. I like to have options A through F ready to go before I embark on any new venture. And this experience in this global pandemic has been a real trial by fire for me. Um, I think what has been beneficial to me and what I would encourage families to think about is to consider where, what, what and where they can control things, where you can reassure your child and ensuring your child that they're our job here as the grown-up is to keep them safe and that I'm always doing my job, um, that I'm always doing my best to do that job. And I want to be available to them if they're feeling afraid. You can teach your child things that they can do to help them feel safe. So how to wash their hands, how to cover their nose and mouth when they cough or get sick. Depending on your child's age, you might talk to them about mask wearing and practice that process in a safer, comfortable environment. You can help your child plan strategies they might use to help them feel calm. So whether that be breathing exercises or asking for a hug, um, simple things like that for calm down strategies. And then also keeping daily routines just as normal as you can. So we might not be able to plan for the big things, but we can keep some things, mealtimes, sleep, naps, common routines around bedtime or plans for challenging behavior the same day to day. And also preparing ourselves and our child if we have any warning at all that something's going to look different. And that means spending some time recognizing and affirming the hard feelings, the fear, the frustration, the disappointment that come, come up when things are different. One of the simplest but also most challenging strategies that we teach parents here at RIP is through this idea of staying calm, which is so hard. Um, but when you're able to stay calm, you really... Um, if you feel that overwhelm coming on, you're really able to set the tone for your own child. You're able to think clearly, which allows you to better help your child address their big feelings. And when you're not able to remain calm, which is 
fair because we're all human. You can model some really excellent skills for your child by taking a break from the situation to calm down. So you can model for them lots of tried and true ways to do that. Counting, you know, just counting to 10 out loud in your head, whatever you need to do. Taking some deep breaths, asking for a break from a parenting partner um, or caregiving partner drinking some water, having a snack, listening to your favorite song, whatever that might look like for you. Great advice, Melissa. Thank you so much. Nita, is there anything you wanted to add to that? Yes. As I work with parents at, uh, as a therapist, as a coordinator over Project Basic, through my church, co-workers, I'm hearing parents voice a lot that they're questioning their own abilities and self-worth. They're asking themselves, do I have the ability to teach my child how to read and do math? What if I make a mess of my child's education and ruin them for life? Where do I fit it all in? What if we don't have an internet or computers? I work all day. How can I possibly do this? So I think it's really important for parents to recognize that all these worries and feelings are normal for the situation that we're currently in and that there are things they can do. They can use those calm down skills that Melissa just spoke about to help regulate all those big worries and fears. They can also call their child's teacher or school counselor for assistance and guidance. They can continue to use their voice to advocate for their child and what's best for their child with schools, with churches, with recreational sports, uh, school sports. And they need to remember that they're the expert in regards to their own child. No one else knows their child better than they do. And that everyone's in the same boat. All the other parents feel the same way. And we don't have all the answers or know what will happen next, but we can prepare ourselves and they can prepare their child to be resilient through education, advocacy, and the use of available resources. Wonderful. Well said. Thank you so much for saying that, Nita. I think you pointed out um, a really good point that all these parents who have maybe never even thought about themselves as an at-home teacher are now facing this likely for the very first time. And that in itself can be extremely stressful. <laughs> um, especially, especially if your child's a special needs child with speech, OT, uh, reading help assistance, you know, it's very overwhelming as a parent, I think, to think about doing that job. Yes, yes. Um, specifically, and I'm glad you mentioned, um, obviously, parents of special needs children. Are there any specific, real quick, um, resources for those, that smaller group of parents of special needs children? I know they need a lot more one-on-one um, -on -one attention throughout their school day on a regular basis. What resources would you say those parents can quickly look up if they were needing a little help? Well, I would recommend they, they visit STEP. S-T-E-P, all caps. Uh, it's a program that helps parents know about their rights and IEPs, and they ha actually have virtual training materials available on their website that they can access to help them know what are the best services for their child. Well said, Nita. Thank you so much. Well, and as I mentioned earlier, we're going on five months of living in this pandemic. And for many families, that has meant a lot of time at home with their kids. Some parents may have noticed a bit of change in their kids' behavior, or apparently maybe their own behavior or their spouse's behavior. Can you kind of explain some types of stress and anxiety that can lead to this kind of change of behavior amongst family members? Yeah, Jungle, you guys in TCCY are the hub for all things Building Strong Brains. Um, 
we have so much information now about brain science and particularly with respect to the developing brain of a young child. I think it's important to understand that people experience all kinds of stressors all day and that not all stressors are necessarily negative ones. Um, so we have three kind of types of stress, categories of stress that we experience. One of them um, defined more um, broadly as positive stress. And that can be, you know, the simple act of meeting a new person or going to a new place for the first time. Um, those kinds of stressors um, interact with our brain chemistry the same way that others do. Another type of stress that we experience is tolerable stress. That's unavoidable stress, but maybe a little more negative. So think of the death of a loved one or a natural disaster. For many children and families, COVID and its associated quarantine period probably falls more in that tolerable stress range. And then there's toxic stress, which is prolonged exposure to adversity without that adequate caregiver support. Um, and for some children and families, COVID and its associated quarantine is going to fall in this range. Um, exposure to any type of these stressors releases chemicals in our brain, which causes us to react to seek to reduce whatever's causing us stress. And again, I mentioned it can be a positive thing. It can help us focus. It can help us learn new skills, or it can be a negative thing that leads to a negative impact on our ability to deal with the situation. So you might be familiar, your listeners might be familiar with the, um, phrase fight, flight, or freeze. Um, that's a typical response to stressful situations. And each of those things might look like different behaviors. So a fight behavior, you might see aggressive behaviors from a child or defiance or tantrums. A flight behavior, you might retreat to comfort, um, which could look like, you know, regression in a child or seeking, you know, a closeness, proximity to somebody that they care about that gives them comfort. Um, or a freeze behavior, which might look like withdrawing, hesitancy to act, hesitancy to make decisions, things like that. If we think about a child's well-being and really anybody's well-being as a scale with kind of positive things on one side and negative things on the other, we always want to tip that scale towards the positive end. And we can do that in two ways. You know, if you're thinking of a scale, you can either add stuff to the positive side or you can pull stuff off the negative side. Um, and so right now we can't stop COVID. We can't always predict what's going to come next. So we're going to focus on adding what we can to the positive side and alleviating those negative things that might weigh the other side down um, that we do have control over. So we talked about some of those things um, just a few minutes ago, allowing space for your child to talk when the big emotions come up, teaching, modeling, practicing, calm down strategies, providing routines and schedules that provide as much consistency as possible and preparing your child and yourself for change when you can by talking about it ahead of time. Change and flexibility. Those are a lot of um, words that I keep hearing more and more often and change is hard for a lot of people, but it's, it's important to try, especially in this time, um, Melissa, as you just kind of highlighted flexibility. <laughs> That's important. <laughs> Nita, is there anything else? I think it's important, too, to recognize the feelings behind those things. Melissa did a great job of explaining the, the brain science, but the feelings behind those drive those brain, the chemical reactions and the responses within the brain. Um, so we're all experiencing new emotions and higher levels of old emotions, increased levels of tolerable to toxic stress daily. Uh, so we might be more irritable than normal. Um, we as a parent, our children might be more irritable. Uh, we may also experience feelings of guilt, or selfishness when we take a break, but our child is still having to do schoolwork. Or because we chose to attend school virtually, 
or not or to go ahead and send them to school or to visit a relative or not visit a relative because we might risk exp exposing them we're also grieving we're grieving the loss of life as we knew it there are fewer opportunities to socialize go out to eat uh, we're wearing the mask the constant focus on numbers and and deaths and um just the statistics of it all and, it, and the information changing day to day. But we're also seeing parents just exhausted. The stressors they're experiencing are physically, mentally, and emotionally just exhausting. So Melissa shared the science behind the effects of stress and suggestions for helping your child, but I think it's also equally important for parents to be gentle and kind to themselves while they're experiencing these things. Recognize that feelings and reactions to stress are normal. Uh, it's important for parents to be aware of their own triggers that might result in a child having a fight, free, freeze, or flee response, or even themselves having that type of reactions. Many of the parents that Melissa works with and that we see in our programs have, have traumas in their own backgrounds that get triggered when they're stressed. Mm -hmm. Remember, keeping routines and schedules as normal as possible are also benefits for the parent and their emotional well-being. And parents can reach out to TCCY to request more information on building strong brains and even possibly virtual trainings that they might be able to attend. Well put, and yes, absolutely. If you have any questions about Building Strong Brains or BSBTN, if you've seen it on social media anywhere, uh, please reach out to the Tennessee Commission on Children and Youth, and we'd be happy to put you in touch with any of that information. Um, and Nita, you bring up a really good point, because we've all heard the saying, you can't pour from an empty glass. And kind of to the point you've been talking about, um, it's that is likely more prevalent now than ever before. What advice do you have for those parents when it comes to self-care? Because I know there's a lot of feelings of guilt along with that self-care for their own self when they have a family, you know, everyone else to worry about. What, what's your I work with parents all the time on this topic and have for years. It's a really hard concept for many parents to get. And even more now than ever before are we seeing it. Self-care is critical for a parent's ability to function effectively and efficiently within their job, their home, their family. And you're right, many parents do feel that guilt and they feel selfish when they do self-care. We have to remember self-care doesn't have to come with all the bells and whistles and a lot of money being spent. Self-care can also be just quality time spent with their child, reading a story together, bedtime routines and snuggles, giggles together, cooking together, family game night or family movie night. All these things build self-care, provide self-care, but they also strengthen the connections and relationships within their homes and between each of their family members. And that itself builds resiliency in children. Thank you, Nita. Well said. Anything, Melissa, you wanted to add to that? Yeah, John Quill, I think just to reinforce what Nita's saying, you and I talked about this the last time we had a chance to get together. Um, a lot of times the way we talk about self-care, it makes it feel really inaccessible to people. You know, a day or night off or a trip to the spa, which is closed, by the way. The spas are all closed. All of that sounds great. Um, and it can certainly help recharge, recharge us, but um, it makes it really inaccessible to a lot of people. If we think of it more as kind of caring for the caregiver, um, we 
can think about things that look like setting boundaries. So the amount of external information that I'm taking in, right? Stay informed, but limit your news consumption. Um, I am definitely a social media addict. And so <laughs> it's important for me to be able to put my phone down and walk away from the Twitter, right? Um, get, a, get a break from that. And knowing what's reasonable for myself as an employee, as an employer, as a parent, um, as a partner, and being able to kind of express my needs around that to all of those people, you know, even my child, to be able to make it clear to my 20-month-old um, what mommy needs right now is important. Um, of course, depending on that child's age and abilities, I'm going to be reasonable with him and ask him to be reasonable with me too. Um, part of this is just the basics. And I think this is something everybody hears all the time, but meeting your physical needs of sleep, diet, and exercise and making sure you're physically taking care of yourself helps your brain process these stressful events. Um, and also taking time for celebration when it happens and, and not um, giving yourself permission, giving yourself permission to remove that guilt from celebration because there is a lot of suffering, but there are also beautiful things happening in this time. And so being able to celebrate that and be excited for it is allowed. It's allowed. Um, I think one of the things I really want to put point out here too, is that um, it is always going to be really important to ask for help when you need it. So from a friend or family member, um, we live a long way away from both of our sets of grandparents um, and our sweet neighbors have been so incredible with my son and they will pick him up, lift him over the fence and hang out with him for 20 minutes while I mow the grass or you know, pick up the toys in the yard. And I, it is the greatest blessing to have them there to help me um, parent. I think I have learned more than ever. And it is something I have always said, but I have seen it in action so much more now that it takes a village. Right? You just can't do it by yourself. You just can't. Um, of course, 911 for immediate emergencies. The Tennessee Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services has an Office of Commun uh, Consumer Affairs hotline. Um, it's 1-800-560-5767. It's open Monday through Friday from 8 to 4.30. Um, that can help parent put parents in touch with resources if they need it. We also have a crisis line. So um, I misspoke earlier. The helpline is a warm line, we call it, because it's a warm okay. line. And the uh, crisis line is a hotline, and it's open 24-7. It's 855-CRISIS-1, or parents can text TN to 741-741 if themselves or someone in their care is in immediate crisis. And I'll share all of those with you, John Cole. Thank you. Thank you so much, Melissa. Um, and, you know, you kind of mentioned, yes, we have talked a little bit about the regional intervention program before. And if our listeners are kind of listening to this now and are a little bit curious about it, please go back and look at our past episodes. We got tons of information on that, but I did want to give Melissa and Nita, each of you kind of a, a chance to explain a little bit more about the programs that you're involved with um, in case our listeners may be like, Oh, that's something I could really benefit from. Um, so Melissa, if you, if you want to go first, since I know we've been talking really quick, um, by all means. <laughs> Sure. So RIP is a parent-implemented, professionally supported program for young children and their families who are experiencing challenging behaviors. And um, what that means is that we have parents here who are employed staff who came through the program themselves that help support families as they address challenging behavior in their own families. Um, 
we have a couple of taglines that go along because regional intervention program is not particularly descriptive. One of the things we like to say is that RIP is families helping families helping children. Um, so RIP provides families with this opportunity to connect with others who are experiencing or have experienced some of the same stressors that they are. Um, we really coach families to work with their own child and when we're open, when there's people in the building, with other children. Um, it's always easier when it's not your child. It just is. Um, yeah. As they learn and practice evidence-informed skills and strategies to reduce challenging behaviors. Um, currently, all 11 RIP sites across the state have been able to adapt to the virtual needs of this current COVID reality, thanks in large part to um, an incredibly creative staff um, and video conferencing adaptations. And so we're open, we're taking referrals, we're still serving families, and I guide families to check us out for some more information at tn.gov slash parenting dash that dash works. Thank you, Melissa. And I do also want to point out to our listeners, whenever the facility does reopen, you'll want to go check it out because it's brand new. Um, they opened just as the pandemic was becoming a thing. And so no one's really been in there besides Melissa, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you guys want to go check that out. Nina, what about, what about Project Basic? This was kind of my first time researching a little bit more about it, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about the, pro the program you're involved with. Well, Project Basic... Uh, better Attitudes and Skills in Children is what the word BASIC stands for. It's a school-based prevention and early intervention program for students K through 3. It's funded through federal block grant dollars with the Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse. Therefore, we're only in certain schools. Uh, it's not something that you can access or say, I you can say I want my school to have it, but it may or may not be available to your school. Okay. We're housed in 42 identified schools across the state. Uh, we identify students at high risk for mental health issues and refer and assist in accessing those needed mental health services. But our main focus is on prevention. So in doing that, we provide classroom coaching and one-on-one -on -one coaching with identified students in social emotional skills, healthy coping skills, and problem solving skills. We also offer coaching to teachers and how to implement and reinforce those skills within their classrooms. So our goal is to, to reduce the number of students that might need mental health services by giving them the skills they need to be successful and to provide the teachers with a way to handle challenging behaviors in their classroom without immediately referring to the principal to start. Um, we've continued to operate and provide services at these schools during the pandemic via telehealth and other virtual platforms. Uh, we also provide a classroom presentations through social emotional curriculums um, and we've been able to do that as well through virtual platforms. And if they would like to know more about the program they can email me at dgross at frontierhealth.org. Wonderful. Thank you for giving your contact information out as well, Nita. I really appreciate that. We have yeah. kind of talked through uh, several different, you know, areas of concern and the resources available uh, for families and parents out there. Is there anything else that you guys wanted to make sure our listeners were aware of 
as we move forward in, in this new realm of things. Yeah, so Nita mentioned that Project Basic is available in identified schools across the state. I would encourage parents um, to see if they've got a Project Basic in their elementary school. But also, we are currently rapidly expanding the school-based behavioral health liaisons program across the state of Tennessee. That is a program that will be available in all 95 counties um, by the end of this fiscal year. So. Um, if the school by chance doesn't have a basic, potentially there's a school-based behavioral health liaison who can support that. And families can find out about those things by calling the OCA helpline that I mentioned earlier with the department. Also wanted to share a pet reference um, that I have been using a lot, personal pet reference that I've been using a lot. The National Center on Pyramid Model Innovations um, has a hub right here in Tennessee. It is a homegrown um, resource for families and their emergency um, supports that are specifically COVID related, I have found incredibly helpful. So they have social stories to help explain why we're staying home, how to stay calm or calm down, personal safety and hygiene. Um, they have tips for parents around taking care of ourselves um, and taking care of our children and providing education, lots of tips and supports there. Um, and they have some resources for addressing stress and challenging behavior and resources for learning at home. So um, I think that is primarily beneficial for parents of young children, but there is a fair amount of information in there for children um, up through adolescence, even into the teen years. Well said. Thank you for that, Melissa. I know, at least with some of the parents that I know personally, it's getting to that point of um, young kids seem to be, well, of course, young kids also look at the parents like superheroes. <laughs> but when you look, you think about teens, like, how can I make my teenager wear a mask when I'm not around? And that's a that's a whole nother issue that we, we don't even have to talk about. Um, but Nina, is there anything else that you wanted to add before we wrap things up? I would agree with Melissa on the pet resource. I love that, that website. Uh, I refer parents to it all the time. And the, and one of the best features is it's all free. All the resources on there are free to parents and teachers to download. And their section on COVID materials is excellent. Excellent. And updated pretty frequently, wouldn't you say anything? Very frequently. Yeah, that's what, you know, especially in this time where there's so many unknowns and things are changing daily. It's really awesome to be able to find that that resource or that link or that website that's updating every few hours. You're like, okay, <laughs> this I'll know. I'll get the accurate information I'm looking for. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Melissa and Tanita. Thank you guys so much for being a guest on Roots and Wings. Is there anything else that I did not ask that you want to make sure our listeners are aware of? We're really glad to be back with you, Junkle. It's um, important, I think, to get this information out. And um, I think what I'd like to say is that, you know, the only reason I know these things is that I look for them. And so I think that's um, something to maybe encourage parents to. I am the mother of a young child. I feel lost and frustrated and hopeless, just like every other parent at certain times of certain days. And so um, knowing that these resources are out there, knowing that there are people here that stand ready to help if you need it. Um, I think I just encourage parents that when you find yourself at that breaking point, um, that you keep in mind that we're here. Make yourself a sticky note, whatever you need to do um, to know that we're here. Set yourself a timer reminder on your phone. Reach out to somebody if you need to. Very good advice, Melissa. Yes, you guys, you're, no one's alone in this. We're not alone. Um, well, thank you again to Melissa Binkley and to Nita Gross. Thank you, guys. This has been another episode of Roots and Wings. I'm John Paul Newman.
Thank <laughs> you.